All right, everybody, we are going to jump right into the Word this morning. As we mentioned, uh, the theme for this week of Advent, or the celebration of the coming of Jesus, is joy. The joy that we receive from the Lord. The joy that is His, that He has bestowed and given to us. So we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, and we're actually going to pick up in the story right where we left off last week. So we're going to pick up in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. In verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's say a prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have sent your Son to come be with us and even be the sacrifice for us. And thank you, Father, that we can celebrate that now, having been brought back into fellowship and relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for withholding no good thing, including your own Son. So this morning, I pray that you would help us to see you and recognize you, the way that you speak and move in our lives. Help us to recognize that, especially when it's right in front of us. Let us not miss that, God. You speak plainly, so plainly sometimes that we look right over it. But today, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? In Jesus' name we pray. I think what the Lord is challenging us with this today and has been really working in my spirit throughout the week is recognizing the way that God is at work in our lives, even in the commonplace, in the everyday, in the normal place. He is alive and well and working there. Uh, what feels like about two months ago, um, I completely misplaced a group of my books. I had two like prayer journals that go back like years with like intense things, you know, I was wrestling with or heard from the Lord. Uh, my Bible, uh, another couple of books, and I knew I had them all together, and they just disappeared one day. I went to grab them, and I always keep them in my bag or in my office, and it was just completely gone. And so I tore apart the house looking for it. I'm, I'm searching all in my office. I'm like, did, damn, did I like leave them in the sanctuary and somebody lifted them or something? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> they, they wouldn't come up anywhere. I asked my wife, who, can, who knows how to find things like a detective, nothing. And so I said, all right, you know what? I guess it's not, I guess it's not going to happen. And so all of a sudden, earlier this week, or was it last week, somebody went and found the van and cleaned through all the trash. Apparently that place has been trash. We're going to talk about that, Kristen. <laughs> and there they were sitting in the church van. How they got there, I don't know. But apparently they've been sitting there for these two months that's been missing right there in plain sight. But of course, it's the one place you didn't think to look. 
And isn't this true how so often I think about, you know, um, when, when you're a kid, your mom had the glasses on her head. What did I do with my glasses? Where's my glasses, uh, mom? Or the keys that are always hanging on the ring? Like, where, where's my keys? What? I've literally seen someone, like, holding their phone. To, what did I do with my phone? I knew I had it right around here. It's in their hand. It's right there. They just, wait, wait, just push pause. you kind of short-circuiting here. Just hang on a minute. Get yourself together. Okay, I got you. All right. Now we're good. We're good. <laughs> and this so often is exactly how God is working in our lives. He's working every day in what we see as just kind of the mundane, commonplace of life, but we don't recognize it. We overlook it. It's too simple to be God. That can't be him. Even when it's right in front of our faces. In this season of Advent, where we celebrate the Lord's coming, we know that he has come and that he's still among us even to this day. But Jesus said in Matthew 13, he said, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. My prayer for us today is that we would have eyes to see and to recognize his moving. So it wouldn't just be an idea that we believe here, but we can recognize with our eyes. We can hear it with our ears and then join in on purpose with the work that he's doing, not by accident, but intentionally. I see what you're doing here, Lord, and I want to move with you. So jumping into the story that we just read here, what, we're, what we see is that, that Jesus had just been born in the, in the stable, and now these shepherds are out in the, in the uh, fields right nearby. It's the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, these shepherds, as they're just keeping watch over their flocks of sheep, all of a sudden appears before them this angel in the sky to make this announcement, behold, I give you good tidings of great joy. But when, they, when the angel approached them, it says that they were absolutely terrified. And, and can, can you blame them? It's the middle of the night. They probably were dozing off, just kind of watching. It was so quiet. They're probably falling right asleep. And all of a sudden, this angel appears. Like, I would have I like, probably peed my pants. <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. But it was such an exciting moment. Can you imagine God the Father sending his son? This is the moment. He's arrived and waiting for this moment. And he wanted to tell somebody. I remember, when, actually, I remember when my little buddy, Elijah, was being born, right? He was born over in um, Rhode Island Hospital at Women and Infants. And we used the, uh, what's it called? The ABC room? It was like the natural birthing room, right? So they have this room. And then there's this side room for, like, family and stuff. And I remember that my best friend was there. And he was in this kind of waiting room. And <laughs> the way he tells the story is hilarious because it was the middle of the night. It was late into the night hours. And Sly had gone into the labor, and it's like, okay, how long is this going to, you know, going to go on? Like, let's, 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 let's get this over with. You know, she wanted to have it over with more than anyone else. And he's there waiting, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the, street, the screams start getting a little louder. Like, the moans of pain start getting a little louder. So he's, like, turning the late show up. Like, okay, can you just turn the volume up? I don't, don't want to hear this. And so all of a sudden, when, when those screams kind of turn into, like, a quiet, like, celebration, he's like, oh, okay, must be time. I came out and, tell, and we, like, celebrated together. And it was like, this moment is exciting. 
You want to tell somebody. You want to celebrate with someone. And so I can imagine the heart of the father saying, this is what's been prophesied. This is what I told my prophets to tell people about what's going to happen. And it's now. It's right here. Don't miss it. So he had to tell somebody, even though it was the middle of the night. So who did he choose? He chose these lowly shepherds that happened to be near enough by that they can come in the moment and celebrate the baby that had just been born. And so he goes and he makes this announcement. And of course, the first thing he had to do was, wait, okay, wait, wait, this is not a nightmare. This is, not a, this is a real thing, but there's nothing to fear. And sometimes I think for all of us, our initial reaction to being confronted by God is fear. We kind of like shut her back. Because this is, this is God. Because we, we know our stance before him. We know our limitations. Especially in the natural man, the response to God is, is fear. That's kind of our default mode. Before Christ has been invited into our lives, and now we have hope that God is for us. Now we know that God is not against us. Man, until we know that, there's this natural fear. And whether or not we believe in him, deep down, we know we're not perfect. We know that we fall short in some way, even if we don't understand all the inner workings of that. We know there's something greater than us that we just don't measure up to. And so when we're working with each other, we can kind of put on a front or sometimes feel confident with each other and capable. But when it comes to God, we recognize our limitations. The thought of, being, uh, of approaching God, we say, you better get yourself right. You know, or if somebody says something in church, oh, I don't want to stand next to you, as if he's waiting, you know, like, to come after us. It's this fear. And even many Christians still, even many of us as believers still have this level of fear, like not healthy fear like reverence, but like afraid of God. Because we recognize our sin. Like I could see you and I see, like, I see the, some characteristic of God on you, and I may not see the sin, but you know your sin. I know my sin. And so I know that I still wrestle with that. And so that eats at our conscience sometimes, causing that fear. Another reason is because we don't fully understand or trust the completed work of Jesus' salvation. It's already a done work. It's already completed. But yet we don't trust that. There's something about that. We haven't fully let saturate to the, to the innermost part of our being. It's not there yet. Or another way this fear resides in us is through our minds. Because the scripture tells us very plainly, this is where the battlefield is. The only access, the only way that the enemy can get to you is by making you think and believe something. He can't get in and change our status as sons and daughters of God. He has no access. So all he can do is whisper, is shout, and make you think that you lost your stance before God. And when we let him in, this now, it affects our confidence before the Lord. But the Bible tells us, come before his throne with boldness. He's our father. That's our dad. See, the enemy wants to, wants to make us rely on our own behavior. He wants to make us think it's about our performance. If I do things the right way for a long enough period of time, I'll find my way into the favor of God, and now I can be confident. But what all that is is telling us, be independent. That's a spirit of independence. That's saying, rely on yourself because you can't rely on God. It's not right. God wants us to be 
just completely thrust upon his graces. We are relying upon his righteousness and not ours. It has nothing to do with our performance. It has everything to do with, I believe you. That's it. I believe. It's done. In 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love. And God is love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And God is not here to punishment, to, to punish us. Even in times where he's trying to correct us, that's discipline. That's different from punishment. He disciplines those that he loves because we are his children and he is teaching us. He is not punishing. He is a God of love. And he came to us and even sent his son Jesus because he wanted to be with us. He wants us. Not because he wants to crush us or hold us accountable for things. He wants us to be with him. That's what he's always wanted. And so this is what the angels are trying to announce to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. The reason we're here is because I have good news to tell you that of great joy, Jesus, the Son, has come. He says, we bring you good news of great joy for all people. They came to spread the joy of Jesus Christ coming. And that joy, that happiness that he came to, to give and still gives today, this is what I want, to under, want us to understand. This is who he is. He came to give us joy from his own self. God is joyful in and of himself. It's who he is. He is our source of joy. And so when we receive that joy, we're receiving God himself. See, we tend to think that God experiences happiness or joy the same way that we do. In other words, if I accomplish that goal that I set for myself, or if I, if I reach this, this particular achievement, if my kids finally listen to me, if we, if we just obey him and have his will, okay, now he's going to be happy. See, we tend to put these thoughts on him, but that is not the way that God is happy or joyful. This is how we receive by these external things. When these things happen, now I can receive happiness. But that's not God. There's a theologian by the name of Thomas Aquinas, and he said this, God is happy by his essence. For he is happy not by acquisition, what he gets, or participation, what he does, of something else, but by his very essence. On the other hand, we are happy by participation. It's how we're wired. So this joy, this is part of the nature of God. You might think about Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, where the Spirit is present, this is what you will find because he carries it with him. It's who he is. Love and joy. God is joy. We don't have to come and find favor. We don't have to come and make him happy with us. He already is happy. He already is. We don't have to convince him. We don't have to kind of warm, up, warm ourselves up to him. God is joyful, and he wants you to have that joy. He's not looking for anything from you. Give me this, and now I'll give you favor. Now I'll be happy with you. He said, just, I want to just be with you. I want to give you something. I want you to know my joy. Augustine says this. I love how Augustine put it. He said, to find God is to find the fountain. Oh, he's sorry. Following after God is the desire of happiness. 
but to reach God is happiness itself. In other words, when we want to be happy, we have this longing inside of us, we'll follow after him and we'll seek after him. We're chasing this thing. We're trying to attain this. But yet when we reach him and we're just dwell with him, which is the reason that Jesus came and died, so that we could just be with him. When we're dwelling with him, we are now living in the joy. We're not chasing after it anymore. But now we live in that place where we've, we've entered into that realm. He's the fountain of joy. Any time that we feel like there's something lacking, we just go and, and, and approach him, move towards him, and that joy refills our lives. In John 15, Jesus said himself, he said, I told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete because you will never experience complete joy outside of Jesus Christ. That is the only place it can be completed because that's the only place that true, complete joy exists in God himself. And he wants to give that to us. That's the very reason that he has done everything he's done for us so that we can experience it. He wants our joy to be complete. And we know, it even tells us in the scripture that his joy is becoming our strength. When we allow ourselves to receive that joy, that becomes now our strength. The strength that we need to face anything in life, anything that can come our way, be it pain, trials, sorrows, disappointments, the strength that we have is in the joy of the Lord. And he's the one that we need to pursue, no matter what we're up against, because that's a fountain that never runs dry. And so the angels are telling them that it is time, joy has arrived for all people. And then they go on in verse 12. If you take a look at verse 12, it says this. They come and make this big announcement. They appear in the sky, and then they say, this will be the sign. The sign to you will be a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So in other words, a Savior has been born to you. And this is how you're going to know. A baby wearing baby clothes, laying in a feeding trough. Now let me ask you, if you have a message that you want to get out, and you decide to use a sign, how, what, how would you go about that? I know if it were me, you're going to take that sign, you're going to make it this kind of, a, a, this big graphic, this, as big as possible, and put it right in a place where like, you can't miss this. You've got to get this message. This is the sign to you. But sometimes that's not always how the Lord works. Instead of putting it in the most noticeable place and just drawing all the attention, like screaming, look here, look at what I want, to, want you to know. He chose to give the sign another, another form. Now check this out. The angel appearing to the shepherds, giving the announcement. Supernatural experience, angels in the sky speaking to you. That's not the sign. That pointed to the sign, but that wasn't the sign itself. And after the announcement, it says that hosts of heavenly angels, like multitudes, crowds of angels, like filled the sky. All of a sudden, they appeared before the shepherds. Now they really must have been shaking in their boots. And they began to sing praises, glory to God in the highest. But that wasn't the sign. 
That wasn't the sign. The sign was a newborn baby lying there vulnerable in clothes, just laying in a feeding bin in a local barn. That's the sign, the sign that the shepherds were told to look for. The extraordinary experience with the angels, that's not what it was all about. That wasn't the purpose. That pointed to the purpose. That pointed to the presence, to the sign that they were to go seek out. The real miracle, the center of it all, was just sitting in the house down the road, right there. See, he speaks and moves in our lives, sometimes in the ways uh, we're not really impressed with. You know, when Jesus uh, was walking and teaching, uh, there's one occasion in Matthew chapter 12 where some Pharisees came up to him, and they said this, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. So in other words, he's, heal he's coming and he's giving this message of, of hope and salvation for all. He's healing wherever he goes. He's changing and transforming lives. And they come up to him and they say, give us a sign so we know it's really you. In other words, what they're really telling him is, do something that we're really going to be pressed with, and then maybe we'll think about believing in you. But when it comes to God giving his message to us, we don't tell him how it's going to go down. He gives us the sign, and we see it because we have eyes to see, but we're blind because we have eyes, though, though having eyes, we cannot see. Though we have ears, we cannot hear. Far be it from us to be a people that miss out the message that's right in front of us. I love how uh, Mike Burns, a few weeks ago, when he was um, sharing, he said the greatest miracle is when a soul come, comes to know Jesus and is saved. He was talking about miracles and experience that he has had watching physical miracles take place like before his very eyes. But the greatest miracle, what it's really all about, is a soul coming to know Jesus Christ. Something in us is drawn to these dramatic experiences, these transformations. These amazing things are good, and they inspire us oftentimes, even faith in us. They, they increase our faith, but they're not the end all. They're not the purpose. The purpose is to come to the person of Jesus Christ. And when things happen in a quiet way, in a commonplace way, in our house, in our car, often we pay no attention. We look right past it. That can't be God. We're straining to see, where is he? I know the Bible says that he, he's with me and he wants to communicate with me by his Holy Spirit. Where is he? He's right here. You're straining. In 1 Kings 19, jot this down. You might want to take a look at this this week. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 11. Elijah, the prophet, is coming before the Lord. He wants to speak to the Lord. And this is what happens. The Lord told Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So God is telling him, I'm about to pass by, so go on the mountain and watch and listen for me. Tune in so you don't miss out. I'm going to come right before your eyes. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mouth, on the mouth of the cave. This is how God speaks and moves in your life. It's in that gentle whisper. It's in the still, small voice. If we're looking for extravagant symbols, extravagant miracles, they will happen from time to time. But if that's all you're looking for, you're going to miss over what you really need. And what happens as a result, the joy of the Lord that he wants to impart to you, you can't receive because you can't see it. He moves in the quiet place. And this is how we even reflect upon our own times. I can't tell you how many people uh, I've heard disqualify even their own testimony because they don't have some kind of story of like this radical extremes of some kind of like life-threatening addiction or desperation. And all of a sudden the Lord came and now their life was transformed 180 degrees. Now they're saved, new person. Like Those are amazing stories. That is a, a powerful work of God. But... Far be it from us to say, if we didn't go from this extreme to the other, that we don't have a good testimony, I say it's a more powerful testimony if God preserved you and protected you from those kind of experiences before you even knew him. He guarded over your life, and you didn't have to go to those extremes. That's a miracle of God. To live a quiet and common life without God's miracle of grace That's favor of God. So the angels said to them, this is the sign of the presence of of God in this humble and commonplace setting. But yet that commonplace was ordained by the Lord. This is Jesus' nature all throughout the New Testament. In Philippians, it says that even though he was God, he chose to take the nature of a servant and he made himself nothing. And now, there's one last thing we got to consider about this story, though. The shepherds received the supernatural announcement about the sign, but they still didn't see it. In that moment, they were told what the sign is. They know exactly what they're looking for, but they still didn't see it. It says this in verse 15, when the angels left them and went back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened. They knew exactly where to go and what to look for, but they still had to, on purpose, go and seek it out. They had to open their eyes and move towards that sign. They knew it was there, and it wasn't hard to to find, but they still had to be intentional about it. They wanted to see it, so move, and you will see it. Jesus has come, and he's still among us today, and this is how he's working. This is how he's moving in us. This is how he speaks in the commonplace situations. And this is my prayer for us, that we would be able to have our eyes resensitized, recalibrated, to pick up on the move of God 
sitting right next to us. The signs are all right in front of us. If we only stop what we're doing, open our eyes, and adjust our focus. My dad and I, when I was a kid, um, we used to go bird watching all the time. And we'd walk in through the woods, and we, had a, we each had our binoculars. And when you find something off in the distance, because you can never really get too close, when you see something in the difference, you put the binoculars so that you can see, you know, 100 yards or whatever down the way. And when you tune those things in, you can see from, from uh, extreme distances. But those binoculars are only useful when you're trying to strain and see something that is too far away to even touch. Those binoculars are useless to try to see something that's sitting right in front of you. If you take a pair of binoculars right now and I try to see Serena like this, all I see is just a blur. I can't make anything out. And sometimes I feel like this is how we're looking for the voice of God. Where are you? We're straining. I want to see this. We're, we're, we're taking these binoculars and we're trying to recalibrate. Where are you? And he said, just, just put them down. I'm not, I'm not out of reach. So you don't need anything special to see me. Just lower your eyes a little bit. I'm right in front of you. Find me. Instead of looking ahead, lies way down the road, wondering, what's God will, God's will for my life? What's his plan? What's going to happen in the future? I just need to take it easy and just be in the moment. God has come to us, and he wants us to have this joy. And this is why I feel that we often miss this. We miss the signs. We miss his presence because we ourselves are not present in the moment. We're not present in the present where Jesus is trying to break through and to communicate with us. See, even the night of Jesus' birth, God celebrated with the angels that Jesus had arrived as a baby. And he was present in that moment, celebrating with, with his own joy. And he wanted to share that with those shepherds. He was present in the moment, even knowing what lies ahead, even knowing the purpose of him coming was so that he could suffer a painful, torturous death. He knew the purpose, but he was present in the moment, and he knew the hope that that moment was going to give. And this is something for us to be on guard for. Things happen way too fast in our lives. And we, by natural default, get caught up in the speed of this world. And we're not present in this moment. And so we miss, not, not just even God's presence, we miss so much of what's happening around us because we're constantly being drawn into what's ahead, what's in the future. We're always thinking about way over there. And so we never experience now. Right now, stop. And here we are. Right this morning, in this moment, this moment that we share together, this will pass very soon. This afternoon or tonight, we're going to go back to our houses. And, and this moment right here, as we're sitting together and I'm speaking to you, will be gone forever. Jesus wants us to be present and soak up our surroundings. Take it in. Be aware of our atmosphere. Be aware of the dynamics around you and what God is trying to say to you. And be open to receive. 
whatever it is that he's trying to speak to you. Because God's funny like that. He can take one circumstance and tell 20 different things to different people. He speaks to you right where you're at. And he can use the same exact thing to tell a thousand different messages. But we have to be present in the moment, undistracted by other concerns, undistracted by what lies ahead. That time will come, but this time is now. It's already here. Let's not miss out on it. Our quiet and common every days are full of God's presence. This is what I want you to take from this morning. Our every day is full of the presence of God, if we will only look for it. He's in the details of our surroundings. We don't have to look far. We just have to have eyes to see. If we're looking for that earth-shattering experience, we'll miss the purpose that, it's trying, that those experiences are trying to point to, those commonplace presence of God in the quiet, peaceful place. If you don't see God or the sign of his presence, might it be that you're straining too hard to try to see it? Either that or not even trying at all. Because if you want it, all we need to do is say, Father, will you please give me eyes to see and ears to hear? And when we pray that prayer, the Lord rejoices because he's waiting for us to just say, show me, I want to see you. Because he wants to reveal himself to you more than you want to see him. Let's not strain and miss the purpose, but let's receive what he has for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you are ever-present with us in every detail, every minute detail of life. You are in that place. You are with us. You said that you will never leave us or forsake us, and we, we read that scripture, but we miss out on the fullness of what it's really communicating to us. You are present in every moment of our lives. But Lord, we miss it sometimes. Because we see this world, this physical world, this practical world, and we get very caught up in, in these physical things. And we, we know that if we, uh, if we do a particular thing, we're going to get a particular reaction. And so now we understand how the world works. If I, do, if I do A, I will get B. And now we lean on our own understanding. We lean on our own controls. And now our eyes become callous to the spiritual realm that is all around us. But Lord... Would you open our eyes and remove the calluses, Father, that have blinded us to your reality, your moving in our life in the commonplace? Help us, Jesus, to see beyond the physical, beyond the natural. Your word says that we are a new creation. Having accepted you, we are made new and the old is gone. And so, Lord, help us to see with our new eyes your presence all around us. We want to move with you. We want to experience the joy that you're trying to give us. So Lord, rather than holding you off at a distance, rather than thinking you're outside of our reach and we're trying to strain with those binoculars to see you, Lord, remind us to put them down. Stop straining our eyes and just be with you, present in the moment. My invitation for you, family, is this. 
Maybe there's somebody in here who hasn't, who hasn't yet come to know the Lord. You haven't experienced this joy in any shape or form. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can experience the joy of the Lord and receive new strength, new life. I encourage you, don't leave this morning until you have given your heart to him and accepted him in your heart. It's not hard. It's a simple reception of what is already being offered to you. It's right in front of you. It's just saying, Father, I accept your son Jesus into my heart. Cleanse me and make me whole. If this is a prayer that, uh, that you want to pray, you can do it right there in your seat. Or even uh, at the close of the service, come forward. I would love to pray that prayer with you. But don't miss in the moment. Be present here and hear that call. And for those of you who know the Lord, but you also know the, the, the strength of the current of this world that is sweeping you from one moment to the next, and you don't have a time to process in any way what's actually happening to you. So things are happening to you instead of you happening to things. No, no, that is not the way of the Lord. That is not the way of the child of God. We now live in His kingdom. And in this place, we carry that kingdom where we go. Do not be swept away by the kingdom of the world. You are not of this world. Don't act like you are of this world. There is more for you, and it's not hard to attain. All it takes is intentionality and having eyes to see and ears to hear. Because once we see it, that's all we're concerned about. Once we hear and understand his message for us, his intentions for us, we move with him more readily, more easily, because we see that it is a, in a better way. The Father wants more for you. Don't get caught up in the ways of this world. And so if you want to take time this morning and, and pray into this, pray into how you might go about this in these coming days. Take some time. There is no rush to leave this place. If you want to pray in your seat or if you want to pray at the altar, take some time to be present right here in this moment and don't let it pass without addressing the Lord. However you do so, address the Lord. Pray that he give you eyes to see and ears to hear. You're good, Father. We know, Lord, that we can trust you with our whole hearts, our whole lives, our whole minds. God, all you have is our well-being and good intentions for us. And no one can cause us to miss out on those things except our very selves if we refuse to be present with you in the moment. Thank you for your tender, loving care. Our hearts, our minds, and our very lives are yours, Lord Jesus. So we pray that every bit of your character would reflect through us, Jesus. We want to carry you everywhere that we go and be a light into the dark places. That eyes, even around us, would be opened. Once you've now opened our own, others now will begin to see as well and come to know you as their Savior and all the joy that you have for them. We love you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray.
Amen. I uh, just ask that uh, maybe we'll keep this for a quiet, quiet room for just uh, another moment or two. Uh, feel free to be dismissed, and uh, we'll just socialize uh, right outside the room for in the next couple of minutes.